From the newsrooms of the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, this is Please Explain. I'm Samantha Selinger-Morris. It's Wednesday, December 6th. Has Australia started an arms race with China? It's a question that is sometimes lobbed at Australia's defence community. Consider the facts on the surface. Australia entered a pact with the United States and the United Kingdom two years ago that will give Australia its first nuclear-powered submarines. And now we're reading about how China is readying its naval fleet to welcome not just nuclear-powered submarines, but nuclear-armed submarines. But to read the facts in this way is to completely misunderstand the situation. Today, international and political editor Peter Harcher joins me to discuss how these new submarines alter the global balance of power and what it means that most of us haven't heard about them until now. So, Peter, you've just written about a new class of submarines that the Chinese government is developing. Now, many listeners like myself probably don't know much about submarines or how any of them, no matter what kind, might impact those of us on the ground, living in the suburbs, very far away from any Navy fleet. So can you tell me about this new type of submarine? What's so new about them and why do they matter? Well, I don't know much about submarines either, Samantha, so don't worry. But I have talked to experts and so I'll do my best to distill the essence of what's going on. Why do they matter? They're essentially the most important tool of coercion that countries use against each other. That's that's the essence of it. Broadly, as far as I understand, there are two main types of subs. There are attack subs, which are about chasing other submarines and other, and other naval assets. And then there are the boomers. They're the ones that carry the nuclear warheads. Now, to be completely clear, Australia doesn't have and isn't seeking to have nuclear-armed submarines or nuclear arms of any sort. But we are allied to a country uh, and we shelter under the nuclear umbre- umbrella of that country that does have them uh, and uses them to establish a coercive power which protects the US itself but also its allies. It's called extended nuclear deterrence, which we've been sheltering for the last 70 years. Now, um, those boomers are essentially – so that's, that's nuclear-powered submarines but critically nuclear-armed submarines. They're super important because they're designed to guarantee the survivability of a nuclear threat if there's a nuclear attack. And what is now happening and the importance of what we're discussing today is that China has never had that capability – They've got nuclear-armed submarines. They've got nuclear-powered submarines. But theirs are not quiet enough uh, and potent enough to really be a credible uh, deterrent to a U.S. first strike. And the Chinese want uh, parity with the Americans and the Russians, and they're on the brink of getting it. And notably, you've also written that this new generation of submarines that the Chinese are developing – Also, the missiles would have a much greater reach. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So the submarines themselves, the Type 96, as they're called, are a much more serious uh, weapon of war because they are apparently – now, none of them are in the water yet, uh, but from what we know of technical studies, analysis, intelligence, expert guesswork in the West, and the the submarines themselves are apparently a lot quieter and therefore more – stealthy and more survivable. But the, the missiles they carry, they have a range of nine to 10,000 kilometres, which would mean that the uh, Chinese fleet would be able to fire those potentially nuclear-armed, nuclear-tipped missiles 
from Chinese territorial waters and strike, uh, well, not only all the US bases in the Indo-Pacific, but the continental US itself potentially. So that's that would be a more potent weapon on a more potent submarine. And so put those together, and that is why the Type 96 is uh, a, a threshold in the development of the ability of the powers, the great powers, to coerce each other and to deter each other. And I was just wondering if you could help contextualize it a bit sure. to, I guess, answer, do these new subs smack of a Cold War-like development? Absolutely they do. Um, absolutely. Uh, because the dreadful threat of the Cold War was nuclear Armageddon. And the great safeguard against nuclear Armageddon was was parity, was the fact that it was mutually assured destruction between the Soviets and the Americans. And what the Chinese are now trying to achieve is the same thing, is that entering this new phase of competition, of uh, adversarial foreign policy and strategic policy, that the Chinese also will have the same parity to protect themselves against any first strike, not that the American doctrine calls for first strike, but it would give the Chinese the assurance that they, they would have a survivable nuclear capacity if the Americans were to attack them first, or the Russians for that matter, um, although that's less likely now that they're best buddies. But the so, so that's the concept, is to develop mutually assured destruction for the new Cold War and hope that it works because um, a Cold War is better than a hot war between two superpowers. Right. And I, I did want to ask you a bit further about the numbers of subs we're talking about, because we know the US, Russia, the United Kingdom, France, China and India, they all have nuclear subs. Yeah. The US currently has 14 nuclear armed subs. China only has six nuclear subs currently, and they're looking to add eight of these new generation mm. subs, which would be potentially nuclear armed as well. That's right. So they'd each have 14. So why is that such a threat? I mean, they're not going to have more than the US. What it does is it changes the balance of power between those countries, uh, and it means that the US alone is possibly going to struggle. Well, in fact, look, we don't need to speculate about this. The Americans have told us this, and uh, a senior White House official, Kurt Campbell, Indo-Pacific coordinator for the Biden administration, has told me on the record, uh, quote, we can't do it alone anymore. The Chinese power... And military, economic, technological power, according to the US, is now too great for the US to manage by itself. And it's drawing on its allies' capabilities to help. So the Type 96, it's not just that there would be a similar number, although the Americans are now going to be producing more boomers if they get the funding through the Congress. So it is a competition between the US and China, no question. But it's not just the, the numbers, it's also the quality. At the moment, uh, whenever a Chinese submarine leaves port, an American nuclear-powered submarine, because they're very stealthy, slips in behind it and follows it for as long as it's at sea. That's what happens. Mm. Because in the event that there's a war, the first thing that those subs would do would be to sink the Chinese submarines. And what the Chinese seek is the ability to return the favour. So that's what that's all about. Now, if the Type 96 are as quiet as they're supposed to, to be when they do eventually launch, then the Americans might not have that capability anymore. So what we saw last Saturday was an announcement from the three governments that comprise the AUKUS deal. That's the US, the UK and Australia 
to pool their underwater detection capabilities for the first time. The United States will share in a range of emerging military technology, including advanced artificial intelligence to counter aggression from China. And that means a bunch of different types of technology and that these would all be used, that would be networked together to look more closely for signs of Chinese submarines in anticipation of a stealthier generation, the Type 96. Marine systems and shared artificial intelligence. They're just three of a number of new military capabilities announced after the second meeting of AUKUS defence ministers in California. And this is what it's all about, uh, tr trying to keep an edge on the Chinese fleet with their evolving nuclear capability. We'll be right back. Okay, so Peter, this brings me to a question I wanted to ask you about where this all started. I guess the obvious question is, is Australia somewhat responsible for starting an arms race with China? We know that the Chinese government did not fondly receive the news in 2021 that Australia had entered into the AUKUS Pact with the US and the UK, which is going to provide us with our first nuclear-powered submarines. So is this China's response? Superficially, it might look like it, because in Australia, we've heard essentially zero about the Type 96, but we have heard a lot about AUKUS, so it might appear that that's what's going on. And there is a school of thought uh, headed by Paul Keating, which says that essentially anything that we do will provoke the Chinese government and therefore we should do nothing. But that is completely wrong and the chronology is completely wrong because the Type 96, the planning for it, uh, was first reported a decade ago, uh, uh, 2013. There were already reports of an imminent, the imminent development of the, this new generation of Chinese submarine, whereas, of course, AUKUS was only conceived two years ago. So it's actually the other way around. If there is an arms race, uh, it's Australia and its allies catching up through the AUKUS sub with what the Chinese uh, announced they'd be doing, or at least uh, started planning doing a decade ago. Okay, and this brings me to something that you wrote about, which is that, according to your column just the other day, there's been zero debate about this new generation of submarines mm. that China's developing. So if the potential impact of these new subs is so profound, as you've written, then why has there been zero debate about them in Australia? I mean, does it suggest an intelligence failure, laziness, naivete? It is a baffling question. I've wondered about it myself. So... Um, it, it's not an intelligence failure because the intelligence services and the government knows all about um, the Chinese fleet and the Type 96 and all of that. It's just that the media hasn't reported. Uh, now, international media, there's been lots of reporting and analysis of them. Uh, Australia, it's, it, it is peculiar because submarine warfare has become such a big debate topic, such a hot topic in Australia in the last two years, and yet we seem to be having it in this complete isolated vacuum without any reference to what our adversary is doing or planning. It's kind of bizarre. So I got the library to do a careful search, and they looked at LexisNexis, Factiva, our own archives, and the web uh, combined collectively were able to find uh, only one reference in any Australian media report to the existence of the Type 96, just one. Of course, there have been hundreds, probably thousands of reports on AUKUS subs, but as for the Chinese equivalent, it's crickets. And I shouldn't say equivalent because, as we said, the Chinese subs are planning to carry, it, carry nuclear arms and ours aren't. But as for why that's so, all I can suggest is, first, a broad insularity in the way that the Australian media looks at the world. 
we generally don't do a great job of reporting on the wider world unless it's the US, which we essentially we import a lot of uh, free and very cheap media coverage from the US syndicated and we, we seem to get a lot of coverage of the US, but uh, much less so of other countries, particularly China. That's not entirely our fault. But until now, there are no Australian journalists allowed in, into Chinese territory. So it's difficult to report sensibly, accurately and regularly mm. uh, when we're not allowed in. So there are a couple of explanations, but it's still kind of extraordinary that such a crucial development, which would so change the balance of power and the alliance structure of which we are part, has been just a great silence in our system. And finally, partly because of that, I was provoked into writing that column. I'm just wondering, globally, does this perhaps lack of debate over the subs make Australia look a bit inept? Because your article comes at a very sensitive time. Australian Foreign Minister Penny Wong just met with her French counterpart and they announced expanded cooperation, a joint think tank, plus the news that Australian Navy ships are set to gain greater access to French military bases in the Pacific. And this is obviously a major step forward after the rupture that occurred in 2021 when Prime Minister Scott Morrison famously cancelled a submarine contract with the French. So could news that the AUKUS subs might be slightly out of date make us look bad? (laughs) Well, uh, Australia has, in terms of its defence capability, in terms of its submarine capability, we've looked pretty bad for a long time. Uh, We kept signing contracts for new submarines, uh, deluding ourselves that it was all going to happen, and then they all failed or were cancelled. And billions of dollars go out the door in planning and diplomatic investment in those relationships with the Japanese and the French, and nothing comes of it. All we end up doing is alienating those governments, uh, disappointing the electorate, wasting billions. It's utterly incompetent and completely unimpressive on any measure to any of us as well, you know, much as any other country. What is happening now is the, the French, the Australians, but also uh, the Americans, the Brits, the Japanese... Uh, the Filipinos, the Vietnamese, right across the board, the Europeans um, are now getting to the long run strategic serious question of how they are going to match and manage the Chinese and potentially Chinese and Russian allied uh, capabilities and intentions and those capabilities are growing and they're all grappling with the same problem and it's a reflection of the same mentality that's uh, encased in the AUKUS deal, which is worried governments getting together to try to balance their power against what appears to be an ever-enlarging and overweening power that the Chinese are developing. That's essentially what this is all about. Thank you, Peter, for joining us. Insofar as uh, managing and staving off Armageddon can be interesting and useful, I'm happy to do it. Today's episode of Please Explain was produced by Julia Carcatzel with technical assistance by Chi Wong. Our executive producer is Ruby Schwartz. Please Explain is a production of The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald. If you enjoy the show and want more of our journalism, subscribe to our newspapers today. It's the best way to support what we do. Search The Age or smh.com.au forward slash subscribe. I'm Samantha Selinger-Morris. This is Please Explain. Thanks for listening.